Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anyone who want to learn more about copywriting, how you can increase engagement, engagement if you create your content. Welcome, because today we are going to discuss this topic with Narisa Bentley. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Nice to have you. Have Nice of you to have me here. Yeah, for me, it's a big pleasure. You know, I opened your website and found that you have interesting recommendation from SEO success, the recipe for SEO success. Correct. Yeah, yes. I love it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I I spoke with Kat on my podcast. She's awesome. She shares a lot She's of valuable fabulous. insights. Yeah, she does. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nerissa, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you pay so much attention to uh, copywriting in health niche? Well, um, I've been running my own business for almost 10 years. Next month is my 10-year anniversary. Um, and I specialise in health and medical writing. So I'm based in Australia. Um, so I work with a lot of large companies, but also a lot of health practitioners. Um, and I got into health and medical writing by accident. You know, most of us copywriters sort of fall into what we do. Um, but I found I really loved it. And I loved the fact that the way that I can write actually helps people and it empowers people to make positive changes so they can have better lives. So um, paying lots of attention when you're writing things like health and medical information, you have to really pay attention to the kind of words you use, the kind of language, your tone and all of those things. Um, otherwise, you end up creating messages that are overwhelming and confusing and scary and then they don't help the people that you're writing for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome, awesome. I think, you know, uh, many content creators uh, neglect to write uh, in simple way because I often consume content that hard to read. That's why people bounce so fast. And many books are great for sleeping. For example, if I take a new book, <laughs> no, I can read a little bit and sleep well all night. I don't need to... Yep take any medicine pills so can you tell how to write that people want to consume until then because you know interesting that i wrote uh great books many great books that uh it's hard to uh, bounce it's hard to stop reading them for example if i take any book from jack london he wrote all these books 100 years ago you know mm -hmm. when i take any book i can feel that i'm part of the journey I live on this book. Yes. I live on this adventure. You know, I, I get all attention. I can't forget about sleep, about uh, water, about uh, meal, about anything because I am on this book. So can you tell how to write such texts? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I think part of that is, as you said, taking people on a journey. So when you're on a journey, you don't want to have to work hard. You know, you need to be swept along and it's not work to read the, what you're reading. And so you kind of, you know, you read the words, but you're immersed in the story. And when people write too complicated messages, um, you're too caught up in the words to actually understand what it is they're saying. And a lot of people forget 
who they're writing for. They forget their target audience because they are so concerned about showing their expertise and showing people that they're clever and showing people that they're knowledgeable. Um, and so they use words and they write in a way that shows off, but it's not actually very helpful for their target audience. And that's why people switch off. And when, you know, you might look some information up on, on the internet and you find something and it's so confusing that you click out of there, you bounce straight out of that website and you go and look for something else that's a bit easier to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. You know, let me share my story. Uh, I started my ACO journey uh, 12 years ago and uh, I had a team of copywriters who wrote about anything. Any topic, we uh, worked with all niches and uh, they wrote about uh, health, finance, uh, anything, you know. And uh, uh, Google changed the rules and right now it's important to consider uh, EEAT parameter, expertise, experience, authority, trust. So uh, can you tell uh, how it's important today to know uh, the target? topic and can we cooperate because you know i like that you focus your attention in health niche but uh, we still have many copywriters who write about anything you know mediocre content nothing special it's just generic and you know i think ai tools can replace all of them because uh, mm -hmm. all ai tools are great with rewriting existing content so any in insights uh, how it's important to know topic and how long does it take to learn about the target uh, niche well look you know some organizations spend thousands and thousands of dollars or even millions some of the really big companies um, learning who their audience is who they are how old they are what they like what they don't like how much money they earn are they male or female how many children where do they go on holidays and all those kinds of things so if you want to talk to your audience, you really need to know who they are, what makes them tick, what are their pain points, what are their desires, um, what are their fears, and how can you solve the problem that they have. So that's the first point is knowing who they are. Um, and if you mm -hmm. don't know who they are, then you can't communicate effectively to them. Simple as that. That's the end of the story there. So one, once you know who your audience is, then you need to um, – there's four sort of pillars – that I sort of look at when I'm creating content. One is, is the content I'm creating what the audience needs or wants? Secondly, are they able to, um, is that the information that they, they need and can they find that information? Then the next part is, can they understand it? And then the final tick box is, can they actually use that content? So if you can tick the box for all of those, then you're well on your way of, hey, we've got a really great, you know, approach here. But you have to know who your audience is. Um, and with, you know, you, you said I wrote health and medical, but there's people who write content for law. There's people who write content for finance. I don't understand the financial world. I don't understand the legal world. I also don't understand tech world. Um, so when I come across articles that are, too overwhelming and too confusing I stop and I go look for someone else who can explain it um so I don't feel like I'm such a dummy <laughs> yeah okay guys after listening this episode just now 
don't reach out to Narisa to other finance topics <laughs> because <laughs> you can't get quality stuff <laughs> I would no. about health niche so yeah correct yeah. <laughs> okay okay you know uh, once I spoke with Jim Edwards uh, he uh, has been working many years in business insider uh, probably 10 years he started on this company from scratch uh, then this company was sold for 500 million dollars thousand employees and he told me about their success uh, that it depends on writing non-boring content you know most content are boring uh, we chatted a little bit uh, in the beginning uh, that people uh, can't consume until the end uh, according to many studies I don't remember exactly like bounce rate is around uh, 80% a lot you know uh, because uh, people have no time to read everything so they choose uh, and uh, we need to create non-boring content even in boring niche health for me I don't know exactly but I think it's boring like marketing like many other niches because it's not sorry for my dog because he, he always <laughs> takes part on my podcast okay. <laughs> but, and uh, I think uh, health is related to boring niche like marketing like many others so can you tell how to write non-boring content that gets attention yeah so you know one of the first things i think is to use plain language language that people can understand so if you're using um, medical jargon if you are using complicated sentences um, people switch off that's boring you know um, oh, he's very, is it a boy or girl? He's very cute, doggy. Yeah, boy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> very yeah. cute. Um, so, yeah, you know, you have to, and the other thing is you have to know what it is that they want or need. So when you're writing health information, um, a lot of the content that I write is for patients and they're patients who have any, a vested interest in knowing something about a health condition. So they're already, um, they're already, sort of engaged because they want to learn or they need to know information the way you keep them engaged is to write in a way that doesn't overwhelm them that respects their time um you know using plain language is very respectful because it makes it's it recognizes that people are busy um and you know you're there to help them and give them the information they need in the simplest way and the most um accessible way possible um so people appreciate that they want to read something and get all the you know the facts that they need to know and then if they need any more information they can go and find that so not overwhelming people with too much detail um and giving them with health information it's important to give them something that they can do so rather than them feeling helpless and hopeless oh i've got this condition there's nothing i can do about it there's a lot that they can do. There's a lot that we can all do to stay healthy. But even with health conditions, there's a lot that we can do. So um, getting them engaged on that journey, I suppose, what we talked about earlier is, you know, there's times when they need medical intervention and then there's times when um, the most appropriate thing is to actually do things themselves. So getting them to buy into that and explaining, you know, this is going to be the benefit to you if you do these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, I remember Albert Einstein uh, talked about simplicity. Uh, everything should be simple 
as much as possible, but not simpler. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably another quote from him: uh, "If you can't explain in simple way, you don't understand what you are talking about." So, yeah, exactly, I agree with that. exactly. And look, you know, people when we're looking at people who are reading content, um, overall, people have very low literacy rates. You know, not everybody has a high level of understanding of English. Most things are written in English. Um, we have also um, culturally and linguistically diverse people. So people whose first language is not English. Um, English is a very hard language to learn from what I believe. People who have learned to speak English say it's quite difficult. Um, and then we also have people with disabilities. So people with dyslexia or other learning disabilities or people who are blind and they use screen readers to tell them what the content is. Um, a lot of people forget about those people. So using plain language is not just for, you know, um, making things simple, but it's making it accessible. And that's what, you know, is really, really important this day and age, that everybody can have access to clear, simple language that is going to help them in their everyday life, whether it's health, whether it's tech, whether it's law, whether it's, I don't know, you know, all these other areas of life. How, where do you get your car serviced? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, by the way, uh, I'm on the first stage because English is not my uh, first language, you know, it's my first language. And yeah, for me, it's important to get simple uh, content and uh, I think it's not only about people with abilities. I found, you know, of course, uh, when people uh, have no abilities to consume content because of some illnesses, I don't know, uh, or uh, it's the second or third language, I found people often are tired. You know, for example, we can work hard, we can uh, lose our attention. So if uh, people have this feeling, it's hard to read uh, hard written content. So, yeah. It's better Absolutely. to simplify their lives. Yeah, yeah, and people don't want to work hard. They don't They don't have the time. Um, and I know with COVID, you know, that was um, very, very exhausting for a lot of people. And, you know, I read a lot of novels. But during COVID, I didn't hardly read anything because I was too tired to work for my entertainment. So when you're look, mm -hmm. talking about sending out content to people, whether it's to get them to buy something or do something, they don't want to work hard at that. That's not even entertainment, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So making it simple and easy for them to take action, um, you know, it's so, it's just so important. Yeah, yeah, agree. Okay, uh, uh, you uh, mentioned about it's important to learn uh, readers, customers to understand them, yeah, uh, to yeah. get data, and companies can spend a lot of money to learn customers. Uh, but once I read, interest, I read interesting book uh, from uh, Damon John, and he shared a story about the girl. Uh, she, uh, this girl, was uh, an introvert, and she didn't have any friends. Uh, and uh, but once she decided to post content about herself on social media, on Tumblr, and million people started to follow her because mean million people are the same you know uh, so mm. uh, they loved her content they loved all her insights and uh, she uh, became famous because of posting about herself you know uh, and i found that many influencers not only about this girl many other influencers don't learn their audience but they 
play themselves, you know, they share information about themselves. It's like intuition, you know, they naturally understand their readers uh, or uh, uh, users, uh, followers. So name them. Okay. Can you tell how to find the balance between data and intuition that you might have from your experience? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, look, I think in terms of intuition, we are all human. We're, we're, doesn't matter how old we are, where we've come from, where we've been born, what family situation we're in, we are all human. So we have one of our most basic needs is to be loved and respected. We all want to yeah. feel like we belong. We all want to feel like we're valued. Um, we all want to feel like that we're important. So that is a common denominator across the globe. Um, so if you start there and start thinking, okay, how do I feel? How, how, what makes me feel like I'm valued? People listen to me. People address my issues. They take my concerns seriously. They're empathetic. Um, they may address things with a little bit of humor because, you know, they know what makes me laugh or they know what I find amusing. Um, so starting off with that human element if you don't know anything else about your audience, know that they're human, um, mm -hmm. know that they're often overwhelmed and busy, like we're all busy and we're all overwhelmed, and we don't want to feel like we're an idiot. You know, you know? one of the <laughs> things with, you know, when I read tech information, for example, about, you know, when I have to get my, my laptop serviced with my IT guy, I don't know what he's talking about um, when he talks about RAM and all of these things. I just know he's going to make my computer work better. That's all I need mm -hmm. to know and I don't need the detail. And he doesn't tell me the detail because he knows I'm not interested in, you know, I'm interested in the outcome of my, and the benefit to me. Um, I don't want to be made to feel really dumb because I don't understand technical terms in an industry that I'm not familiar with. So treating people with respect and, and not talking down to them or making them feel stupid because they don't get something. Um and so that's not to say, you know, there is a balance between, um, you know, treating people like they are stupid. There's that that fine line between, okay, let's assume that they don't have any knowledge, background knowledge about this subject, but we're not going to talk down to them. We're going to um, just chat to them like we're sitting having a conversation here and now. And if we need to use a complicated term, then we're going to define what that term is. Um, and that's what we do in the medical um, world is if we we try and avoid the jargon where possible. But sometimes we can't avoid that because these are the terms that doctors use when treating patients. So when we have to use that term, then we have in brackets an explanation of what that is. So people go, oh, OK, so next time the doctor tells me or mentions this topic, this this term, I know what they're talking about. So it's that gentle education. Um without saying you're really stupid if you don't understand all these things yeah yeah <laughs> okay nice love it <laughs> okay uh let's talk about how to improve writing skills for example if someone started from scratch without any experience so uh can you share what to do first how to uh improve your uh writing skills because for me uh, texts are foundation of any content. You know, uh, mm -hmm. if you ask me, the, uh, uh, by the way, many times uh, my customers on podcasts, uh, people ask me uh, what I'm thinking uh, the most important uh, 
piece of, uh, I mean, like element of content, I, I always tell uh, writing, writing because mm -hmm. text, uh, you know, people read text, uh, Google uh, scans text. And um, uh, if you check out Wikipedia or Investopedia or many other websites, they neglect design, but they share high quality, valuable text. That's why uh, it's so popular. So yep. can you tell how to improve writing skills? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the first things is to remember that not everybody has high levels of literacy. So not aiming it at a high level. So that means um, using shorter sentences, using shorter paragraphs. Um, it means um, using words that we use every day, everyday language. And that may sound really simple. Um, so, you know, there's a, you might use, a lot of people might use the word, you know, for this to occur, X, Y, and Z has to happen. Um, just say for this to happen we need x y and z um so really cutting down the wordiness and looking at the most simple direct way we can say things using words that people use every day um avoiding jargon as i said before and using explanations if we need to um and then often using pronouns and talking to people so rather than saying the people we say you and yours or your family or us or we um, and it becomes a more personal interaction when you use those pronouns um, and using an active voice so when I say active voice that means you know um, saying the boy ran down the street um, you know or the boy is running down the street so you know looking at all of those little things add up and then if there is a, a complicated concept that you need to actually explain, there's no reason why you can't use an illustration. And then we, that's why we see a lot of those sort of things when we talk about health and medical is we trying to describe the anatomy, the anatomy rather of a human being. It can be very complicated. But when you have a drawing and you can have arrows and pointing to things and showing people where these things are or how something may happen, you don't need words for that. People can use, um, you know, their other side of their brain to look at an illustration. Um, and then other things like breaking text up with lots of headings, using dot points um, and using tables or lists. So, you know, rather than lots of words, we can have tables and people can compare one and the one to the other. Um, so it's looking at how to reduce the amount of wordiness in your writing and using the simplest language that you can. And so there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. Nice. Awesome. 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 Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, let me uh, tell more about Jack London. You know, once I read the book, uh, Martin Eden, about a guy who didn't have any education, uh, but uh, with consistency, uh, he achieved uh, much higher results that many other people uh, can dream, you know, uh, because mm. of consistency of writing. He wrote every single day. Nobody believed that he can, but he uh, achieved all these results. Uh, of course, uh, it's only a story, but many people can can uh, think that uh, Martin Eden is related to Jack London uh, himself. Mm. You know, so uh, can you tell about consistency? 
after 100 years ago, I think consistency is very important element in writing because yeah. you need to practice more than read 100 books how to write. You know, if I read 100 books how to play soccer, I'm not sure that I can play with Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi or no. others, you know. <laughs> so uh, for me, it's more important to write than learn how yeah. to write. So can you tell more yeah. about consistency and practice? Well, you know, as you say, you've got to do it every day. If you want to get better at something, you need to practice that every day. Um, you know, it has to be something um, that you just do. You, If you want to be a writer, then you have to write and it becomes your identity. I write every day. Um, and sometimes, you know, it can take time to learn the skills because naturally, um, you know, I, I used to write a lot more complicated than I do now um, because that was just my natural way. Um, you know, I studied writing at university, um, so my writing was a lot more complicated. But over time, I've had to learn to pare it back and take away all the extras um, and you do that with practice. As you say, you can't learn to play soccer by reading books. You can't learn to write simpler language by reading books or doing a course. You actually have to write something and then you go and look at it again. So write it, put it away for a day or two and come back and go, wow, look like look at it with a different lens, you know. Um, and there's tools that you can use to do that to help you. So one of my favourite tools is the Hemingway app. So you can actually copy... Um, the content that you've written into the app and it will tell you um, what grade level it's at and generally we want to aim for a grade six level so somebody who's 11 or 12 years old that is generally the ideal um, because we know that most people will understand that um, so it will tell you the readability level it will tell you where you've got really long complicated sentences where you perhaps can cut it in two um, it will tell you where you can change words you know to a simpler version of that word you know looking at you know how you can remove some of the complicated language and how you can improve that to become um, a simpler version and then as you make those changes the readability level on the side shows you that you're making those you know it's becoming less complicated um, so that's a great tool to use. Um, Word also has the flesh reading age that when you run that through the um, spelling and grammar checker, it comes out at the other end and tells you what reading level it is. Um, but I find Hemingway is just a lot easier. You can make changes and it shows you straight away, you know, does the readability level change or do those highlighted areas disappear? And then when it does, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm on the right track. Um, I also think looking at paying attention to things that you find easy to read and you found extremely useful. So often um, when you look at something and you think, wow, that was really simple, I could write that. You know, a lot of people look at, at words and go, well, there's not many words on that page. I could easily write. Why does it cost so much money for a copywriter to write that small amount of text? Because it takes a long time and it takes skill and practice to be able to do that, you know. Um, so looking at paying attention at messages that you really resound with it. Why did you like it? Why was it easy to read? Um, what did they use? Did they use design elements like dot points and things like that? And so, um, and then starting to apply those things to your writing. So start writing in a different way. We all have, we can all get bogged down in our rut of how we sit down and write. Um, and I know for myself, there's often phrases that pop up 
quite a lot. Um, and Grammarly shows me what those are. <laughs> so I've been able to, you know, get rid of those over time. But as you say, it is practice. You just you just don't wake up one day and are able to write simple language or write well. It's a daily mm -hmm. exercise. Nice, nice. Okay, uh, you know, I have the question about relying on these tools, Grammarly and Hemingway. Can you tell, uh, for example, you know, if I write any text, uh, I usually check out on Grammarly, on Hemingway, but after that, I uh, usually send the text to my um, editors, and yep. after uh, getting this editing variant, I can see uh, many new errors according to these tools. But, you know, uh, uh, I asked a few times what's going on. You know, I fixed all these uh, errors uh, on these tools, but get more or new errors. They usually yeah. reply because we can't rely 100% on these tools. Of, uh, it's interesting, you know, editors use these tools as well, but they yeah. have own experience to find the balance between tools yeah. and uh, their experience. Can you tell how to find this balance? <laughs> well, look, often, you know, I'll find myself when Grammarly's checking something and it'll make a suggestion. And if I look at it and I go, that's not going to make grammatical sense. That's not right. Um, mm -hmm. I have a very good background in grammar and writing, you know, from the English point of view, because I'm, you know, that was my education. Um, so I guess, um, you know, sometimes reading things out loud and hearing how it sounds um, because sometimes when you write something, it can mean two different things or you can have a pause in one area, um, whereas Grammar Grammarly is just looking at words. They're not looking at the context of how you're writing it and where you might sort of naturally put um, an emphasis on a word or a pause in the, in the conversation. Um, so they are tools um, and no tool is, um, you know, is perfect. A bit like, you know... Um, or chat GPT and all of those things, they can do great things, but they can't do everything. And same with Hemingway and Grammarly. So if you really are, you know, as you're learning things, get somebody else to read your work, whether it's a professional editor or proofreader or somebody who, um, you know, is represents your target audience perhaps and, you know, get that beta testing going and saying, hey, what do you think of that? Does that make sense? How can I make it simpler? What, does, what do you not need to know about that? Because... Um, often we can overload our content by trying to tell people too much and that's where it becomes really complicated. So it's looking at what does the audience need to know and then the next level is what would you like them to know, what would be good to know and then what would be nice to know. So, you know, it's need, what's good, what's nice and often the nice bit has to be cut out because it's too long it's too wordy and too uh overwhelming for people yeah awesome awesome uh let's talk about mistakes can you list common mistakes that companies people content creators still do uh to write in simple language and uh, your tips how to find a much better way yeah look one of the big things i see is long sentences and they've got mm -hmm. multiple phrases and clauses and um, and you actually, when you read it, out, if you're reading that out loud, you have to take a breath to keep going. Mm -hmm. So if you have to take a breath, cut that sentence in half. You shouldn't have to take breaths while you read one sentence. So if you do, that's a sign that the sentence is too long. Um, 
The other big one for industries in particular, and especially if they um, are specialists in that area. So I'm thinking, you know, doctors and clinicians in the health industry, tech wizards, finance wizards, um, high-flying lawyers, they use their industry jargon and they don't even know that it's jargon because <clears throat> that's the language they talk every day. So to them, it's normal. Um, and when doctors talk to each other about a patient condition, they use such complicated language that nobody else in the room would be able to understand what they're talking about. But that's how they normally communicate and that's normal for them and that's appropriate for them. So once again, it goes back to who are you talking to and stopping and asking who are we talking to how much knowledge do they have about this subject? And generally, it's safe to assume they have very little at all. Um, and they certainly don't have the understanding of what these jargon terms are or these complicated terms. Um, so get rid of them. Um, and that's why it's really important to have somebody else look at your work because when you're so immersed in that world, it's very easy to assume that everybody else speaks like this and everybody else understands these things. Uh, so getting that, you know, reality check, I suppose, um, and having that extra pair of eyes to sit on those, you know, that that content um, can really make a big difference. Um, and then I think the other big mistake is telling people, giving them too much information. There's such a thing as too much. It becomes wow. overwhelming and you don't know where to start and you've read something and you go, well, now I've got wow. this checklist of about 25 things I've got to do. You know, people love <laughs> listicle articles, but there's like sometimes 25 or 50 things. People can't do that many things. Give them five, give them seven, give them 10, you know, and or one thing a day or I don't know, but it, you've got to make it bite-sized chunks of information um, and so if you have a lot of information to impart instead of writing one big long article with everything write a small one and then write sub articles you know we talk about these content pillars and things like that so break it up into more usable user-friendly chunks um, and if that's being published on you know your website then it's better for your seo anyway because you've got more you know um opportunities to optimize for those keywords so people are afraid of short content but at the end of the day we're all very busy we don't have reams of time to read like a 2,000 3,000 word article um, unless we actually really invested in reading that article if you want people to get your content and your message and your call to action it has to be short it has to be snappy it has to be accessible um, and people often you know read stuff on their breaks at work, you know, they've got five minutes <laughs> and they read, yeah. you know, they don't have 20 minutes to sit down. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, uh, one question I, I can't avoid. Sorry for that because, you know, today, uh, hot topic uh, everywhere, chat GPT, AI. Yep. So can you predict the future? You know, what kind of future will be? Because, you know, a few years ago, Many marketers uh, told me that AI can't. Today, I see many of them change their minds, including Google. Google told, yes, you can use AI content, but just edit, create high quality content. So can you predict the future? What 
kind of future will be in copywriting niche when these AI tools are growing fast enough to uh, can write awesome text, but uh, probably uh, not unique. Uh, in most cases, just uh, rewriting content. Your tips about the future. Is it a good idea today to start uh, improving the skills? Yeah, look, I think chat GPT and all the other AI tools out there, I think Google's bringing out BARD as well. Um, I think they have their place. Once again, they're a tool. So we've had lots of different tools, you know, use Google Calendar or, you know, Canva and all these different things. Um, just because you can use Canva doesn't mean you're a graphic designer. And just because yeah. you can, you know, schedule your Google Calendar doesn't mean you're an event management consultant. Um, so I think GPD is very similar. You can use it for some things um, and it's very helpful um, and it can be a really great thing to use if you're stuck where to start um, or, you know, want to churn out some social media posts really, really quickly. But I think if you're creating really personable, engaging content, um, artificial intelligence isn't able to do that fully. Um, and I don't believe it will ever be able to because it doesn't understand your, your audience and it can't have that empathy that a human being has Um I know with health and medical, um, often, especially when we're writing about topics such as cancer um, or end-of-life care and things like that, um, you need that real empathetic, caring, um, reassuring tone of voice. Um, and I don't know how well the artificial intelligence is going to be able to do that. Look, maybe it can down the track. I don't know. Um, but I think... If we have all the copywriters using these things, it's going to be very easy to see that they're generated because it won't have the quirk, it won't have the humour so much, it won't have that personal touch that is important, you know, in engaging content. So, look, you know, you can use them as a starting point and, as you say, perhaps edit to create that content. But you also want to make sure that your content is unique. You know, it doesn't sound like everybody else. It's not using the same words or phrases that everybody else is is using. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I don't, I think there will always be an, a market for copywriters. Um, you know, we also write things like web copy. So, you know, that is a very um, hands-on start from scratch kind of thing. If you're looking at keywords to optimise and knowing who, you know, the client's um target audiences and all those kinds of things. So I think if you're generating generic content, maybe you could use artificial intelligence. But if you're wanting that more personal touch and the more engaging and that that quirk factor particularly, then you need to inject that yourself. <laughs> nice, nice. Awesome, awesome. And my final question. You know, mm. uh, I think everyone has their strong side, weak side. For example, in SEO, I am so bad with technical optimization, link building, uh, keyword research, content creation. But I found that my strong side is uh, SEO management. I usually cooperate <laughs> with great experts who can create awesome content, who can yeah. provide great link building campaigns to uh, provide technical optimization, many other stuff. So it's my strong side. Okay, tell me about your strong side. What kind of strong side you have and <laughs> who is your ideal customer? 
Oh, right. Well, my ideal customer, well, I'll give you my strengths first. I'm really good at breaking down complicated information and making it simple. I'm really good at research so I can, you know, find research studies to back up my content. I can read them and generally understand them and then extrapolate that information and make it accessible to the public. Um, so they're my strengths. Um, I'm also really, um, I'm a natural rule follower. I've always been a rule follower. So um, in Australia, we have uh, laws around what health practitioners can and can't say in their advertising. So they're very hard to um, understand for most people, but I understand them. And so I can um, help others um, write their content or create the content for them so they actually do comply with that that advertising and my ideal target audience you know I'm I love working with individual health practitioners because you know they do such great work and and they at their heart they really just want to help people you know they want to help people's health and feel better have better movement or you know whatever it is that they do um, so I like to help to work with people who make a difference um, I also like to work with um, people who, so when I'm looking at the larger companies, it's not the company who employs me, it's a person in marketing often who's been given a massive job and they don't have the time or resources to do it and they don't have the knowledge. So once again, it's working with people who need my help. So I, it's a very much a, um, a collaboration and so I come in and I go, okay, what do you need? How can I help you? How can I make your life easier? So people, my top, my yeah, my, my ideal person is um, people who need my expertise and who are willing to say, yeah. I don't know everything. Can you please help me? Um, I certainly shy away from people who think they know it all and tell me what it is that they have to do and then tell me why, you know, um, they have written their, con why their content is better. So, you know, if that's content's better, just go and put out your content. Why are you contacting me? <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Nice. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good people. Uh, I like to way. work with happy people, friendly people, um, and have mm. that that personal, um, you know, we don't have to get into everybody's details, but just being able to say, hey, how was your weekend? You know, having a bit of a chat on the side and getting to, to know that, recognising that they're human beings, I guess, you know. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I know your weak side. You can't write about finance topics. I know. No, I can't. And I can't write <laughs> legal and I can't write tech and I know nothing about motor cars. So <laughs> my son does, uh, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Narissa, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. Tell our audience the best way how to learn more about you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Well, you can find me, my web address is uh, melbournehealthwriter.com. So I'm based in Australia. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me. Um, I'm on Instagram and I'm very, very occasionally on Twitter. I kind of don't use Twitter much at all now. <laughs> I've got too many other things going on. Um, yeah, so probably my website's a really great start. You can sort of see what kind of things that I do and how I can help people. Um, and then, yeah, LinkedIn and all my other socials. You'll be able to find my socials through my website anyway. So Nice, nice. Guys, you can find uh, the link to LinkedIn profile and website in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Love all your my valuable pleasure. insights. Great Guys, to speak with you.
<laughs> okay, guys, thanks a lot for listening and watching us. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.